1: Hello and welcome to The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where three highly unqualified women investigate the subjects we really should already understand by now. I'm your host, woman, writes fan fiction about Meryl Streep open mouth kissing Miss Piggy in my spare time, Hannah Varel. With me is Ghost writes memoirs for Elton John, Alexandra Haddo. Whenever I get bored, I just throw in another anecdote about sunglasses. And just handed in her second novel, Caroline O'Donoghue.
2: Thanks, Hannah. I panicked and ended it on everything being a dream and everyone going home for tea.
1: Well, I for one can't wait to ghostwrite your memoir. And I can't wait to open mouth kiss you.
2: Thanks guys.
1: Support. This week we're studying why women enjoy walking on two tiny stilts, why we harvest sea creatures to wash our bodies with, and we learn all about an Italian woman who dresses up as a shrimp. On with the show!
2: So Alex, you look unsteady on your feet, but I can't help thinking how slender your calves are. What's your secret? My secret, Caroline, is my segment topic this week, which is high heels.
3: How do you feel about them?
2: I don't care for high heels because I'm quite tall as it is, but I do love getting up on a high horse, such as, is that ethical clothing you're wearing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, perhaps you could wear some high heels made out of horse. (laughs) But then I wouldn't be able to be on my high horse about my high heels (laughs) because of cruelty. (laughs) Maybe it's an
1: ethical horse?
3: Yes, died naturally of being flat-footed. Yeah.
2: Something. The horse was actually raised by hand from Anna Wintour. <laughs> for
1: this express purpose. And entirely gluten-free its whole life. <laughs> yeah, do you
3: remember when you were a kid, though, did you love high heels? You were like, I want the highest heel I can possibly get. And then as soon as you sort of allowed them, you're like, I don't care for them. Yeah, <laughs> my
1: mum my, my never had high heels, really. So I never kind of developed a thing about them. I didn't do that thing where you walk around in your mum's high heels and you're like, oh, I'm a a real woman
3: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like massively do that but I also like really wanted high heels and then since I've been an adult it's like you know birthdays and Christmas that's, you know. Yeah,
2: New Year's Eve, maybe. Yeah. I always think about the high heel brand that all the teenagers that I knew uh were really into was a regular choice. Oh yeah. They're like, Oh, it's like a high heel with like a measuring tape coming out of it and a teacup out of the oh, heels. Yes. So like Those are
1: disgusting. Proper oh they're yeah. they
2: totally fucking gross, but um yeah, it's a certain kind of like oh, t- Ulti, I have a streak in my hair kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah. sexy shit. Totally. Yeah.
3: shops at Vivian of Holloway, like vintage yes. tea dress. Yeah. yeah. Well, guess who was the first people to wear high heels? Oh, the Egyptians. Caroline?
2: French women? No, no, it was men. It was Dutch men. It was men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh you almost tricked me there.
3: I did. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get to the country and when really I meant a gender. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, men were the first people to wear high heels. And in the sort of tale as old as time, then women started to wear high heels to like impersonate men. And then men were like, whoa, we'll distinguish ourselves from the lowly women folk by going flat. Oh, they were like, that's not cool anymore. Mm." Yeah. Yeah. Um, But why were high heels first invented? It was for a functional purpose. I think I know this. Go on. Is it because of mud? No. Water? Nope. It's actually something you earlier mentioned. Horses, no,
1: oh, because
3: you want your
2: heel in. to catch in the stirrup so oh, that your yeah. feet don't slide. That makes total sense. But yeah. now riding boots are totally flat. No, they're not. They've got a well, little. Well, they've heel. got a little they're heel. They're like a Cuban heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Heel a man wears now. Yeah,
3: yeah. Exactly. So that's how it kind of started. And then, but also when you think back, you know, like uh, Dustin Hoffman in Hook, or um, mm, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio in *The Man in the Iron Mask*. You know, mm, you know the yeah. Musketeers. they all fit men with long curly hair. <laughs> um, they all wore like lace-up sort of brogy heels, if mm-hmm. you can picture them in your head.
2: Very sexy, very yeah, interesting. So, yeah, yeah, with their
3: sort of knee-length embroidered coat and billowy blouse. So they kind of they've always worn them. And then also in the 70s, men wore platforms a lot with heels, like Elton John sort of yes. popularized them. Mm-hmm. But these days, in the Western society of us. <laughs> It's always women. And if men wear them apart from Tom Cruise, who wears a Cuban heel because he's only two foot four. Yeah. Or like Um, Russell Brand. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if you're Noel Fielding, you could, I mean, he does wear heels and everyone's just like, great. Yeah. But, you know, typically they're feminized and they're really painful. But there is really interesting research. I was on a psychology journal today about high heels. Essentially, the theory is why men find, or, or I should say, like people that are attracted to women find high heels sexy is because they make you stick your bum out by default and mm. they also make your breasts push up and forward mm-hmm. by because it alters your whole posture right yeah. and it also makes your feet look smaller and like dainty yeah mm-hmm. legs look longer legs look longer you look taller right so that's that's semi obvious but fair enough it alters your posture and it makes you more kind of makes you look more fertile basically there was a lot of anthropology in this today like i felt mm. i felt very like an animal yeah. when i was reading it all yeah. about it But this study about uh, high heels and how much it affects men was insane. So they did this experiment where a woman was kind of on the street doing like a, you know, like a survey. Uh, Have you got four minutes to answer some questions about something completely irrelevant? And they made the woman wear flats for an hour, medium heel height for an hour, and Mm. then high heels. In flats, 47% of men were willing to take the survey when she put on the medium heels, it went up to 63%. And when she put on high heels, 83% of men wow. took the survey. No. Yeah, never,
1: ever have 83% of people stopped on a street to take a survey. That, I know. Where was this survey this taken? This is in psychology
3: today. Um, and the, it was some research done by Guygen <laughs> and Luximon et al. Uh, nice. Essentially, high heels increase women's attractiveness.
2: Well, I th- oh, see, I dispute that um, because, OK, maybe, yes, physically you kind of seem like sleeker and, you know, your uh, different attributes are showing off when you wear high heels. I get that to an extent. But also, is there an argument for that woman's whole demeanour changed when she wore those maybe, high heels? yeah. Because when I wear a pair of high heels, even though I don't particularly like wearing high heels, like, I feel really fucking powerful. I feel like I can really do anything. Do you yeah, know what yeah, 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 yeah. And I you feel,
3: like- feel more feminine as well. Yes, yes. yeah. 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 Maybe it's because she was just standing there in flats being like, Oh, hello.
2: <laughs> yeah. I say if she in her heels, she was like, Hey, take yeah. the survey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to stand around all day yeah. <laughs> in these heels. Yeah.
1: You?
3: And it's also, um, I often think of something that the actor um, Alan Cummings said, which is when he was, I think it was a part where he had to dress up as a woman or he was a woman in drag. And he was like, Oh, it's really strange how much everything that's, Overtly feminine is kind of designed to like constrain you. Yeah. Like high heels, you can't run away, you can't move fast. A uh, corset yeah. is like bringing you in. Nails, like long nails, you can't grab anything. Um, you know, it's it yeah, quite because weird. you're
1: decoration. You're not there for practical purposes yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in that kind of get up. Yeah.
3: Oh, the, because one of the resurgences of high heels, they did kind of go away for a bit, really. And then in the war, no, sorry, during the wars, the First World War and Second World War, uh, especially Second World War, pinups came back, and in a the photograph, mm. they would always photograph women in high heels because it made their legs look longer, they made their bums stick yeah. out, and it, you know, it was sexy. But the woman at the time was just wearing it for the photograph. But then, obviously, that permeates through culture of like women should wear high heels, and yeah, men, and yes. men were like, well, they'll wear them all the time now. And it was like, no, they were just posing in the high heels like you would pose in. Obscenely sexy, sexy lingerie, but you wouldn't wear it all the time. Yeah, you wouldn't you know? wear it but, under your clothes. No, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, it's that sort of thing. So it's really interesting how it's kind of gone up and down through society and how men wore them. And actually, it's not always been that feminine of a thing. So they're they're a very interesting topic, and I've probably only covered the yeah, skimmed yeah. the surface there. Um, but they can shorten your calf muscle and fuck your feet up. So like don't, permanently. Yeah. Oh. So don't wear them all the time, guys. The
1: yeah. End. <laughs> but I like
2: I I appreciate that like people talk about high heels as if they're like something that men have foisted upon us and which is like I mean everything's foisted upon us because we live in a world that was shaped by men but if you just enjoy wearing them and they make you feel comfortable and oh, yeah. confident and like really like yeah, yeah, yeah. I can fucking you know yeah. grab today by the balls then like wear them you definitely
3: know? and like I I do feel better going to a fancy event I feel like I look better in high heels but I always take a pair of flats as well and then just like oh. if I want to dance just yeah. change into you're some a modern girl a I am a modern girl such a modern girl <laughs> <laughs> I wanna be a modern girl <laughs> what we really need is like someone to invent I mean if we can 3d print stuff and put people on the moon can't we like invent a, a shoe where
1: like you can sort of pump up the high heel yes. and yes. then pump it down yes. no I've seen that I saw an advert for this it was a shoe where you have like different heel <gasps> heights um, and you can kind of swap them out depending right. on what you need that's can I can't remember what it's called but I'll Post a link to it on our Dumb Women Twitter at Dumb Women Pod. What a seamless link.
3: (laughs) Hey, Caroline, I bought you a Diet Coke for this section.
2: Oh, thanks. How do you know I needed one?
3: Well, you bought one before the show for the past three weeks. Okay. at 607 pm okay from the shop around the corner how do you know this because I'm doing an impression of this week's woman who code mixer which is on smart supermarkets
1: Welcome to the Women Who Code Mixer. Each week at The Mixer, we attempt to learn something new about the tech industry. This week's Mixer host is Alex. Please put your hands together.
3: Hello. Hi, ladies. Today, we're learning about shopping. Shopping?
2: Cat me in.
3: Yeah. But it's... Gender roles. Grocery shopping. Oh, Mm. that's still my
1: thing, too. Oh,
3: (laughs) because you just like providing for your family. Um yeah, it's about smart supermarkets, guys. Do you do you know what they are?
2: Uh seen a lot of weird um Twitter moments about this. You go into Amazon, you pick things up, you scan your Amazon card, you leave, and then you go. Yeah? Yes, they're,
3: they're being called no checkout supermarkets. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. This yeah. So <laughs>
3: essentially you know how Amazon is gonna sort of kill us all. Uh-huh. They're trialing these supermarkets which use a lot of very scary technology where you walk in and it knows you're in there. From GPS and signals on your phone. Oh, you don't sign in or anything? No, you You don't don't sign in. Okay. It'll just know you're in there. Because your phone's quite in there. Yeah. Your tracking
2: device. Yeah. (laughs) That you voluntarily have. Yeah. And love. Yes. Okay.
3: Yes. Uh, So you'll go into the supermarket and it will... There's a really vast range of scary technology, but things like uh, it'll link to your bank account so they'll know, for instance, like I did with Caroline, that you've bought loads of Diet Coke recently, so you'll want loads of Diet Coke, and you just walk up and like put it in your basket or trolley or whatever, and it'll know kind of where you are in the store and what you've picked up off the shelf. Is
1: it CCTV then? Do they just Yeah, have loads there's loads and loads of
3: cameras as well. Um, and it's really scary. Um, so, yeah, essentially, so there's no people working there apart right. from the people stocking the shelves. So there's nobody on checkout, yeah. if you know what I mean. But it almost feels like a step backwards in a way because you still have to get into a
1: supermarket, but fine. Um, yeah, considering that Amazon is all about like, you don't have to leave your house, just yeah. one week yeah. and your toilet paper will be here. Yeah. Like,
2: you don't exactly. have to leave the toilet. Yeah, just drone it in next to yeah. you <laughs> and watch you shit. Watch <laughs> you wipe your
1: bum.
3: It's, um, the only nice thing is that you don't need a trolley or a basket because you can just put it straight into your bag because you don't need to go to a checkout and like, oh, pack it in. Oh, that would be all. good. Yeah. That's what I always struggle with. You just I'm walk always, straight like, out.
1: I hate decanting. Do yeah, you know I, mean? I want to put it straight into my backpack, but I don't want to put the backpack on the basket thing because mm. then it will be like unidentified backpack oh, Blah, i don't know how heavy your bag is and it's oh it's a pain in the ass yeah
3: um so they tried this out in seattle uh recently this year in like beta mode and it's it's mostly been successful but uh children fucked things up because they kept like moving things to the wrong places oh, on shelves of course ah. they did, little scamps <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but basically it's a bit sad because there's like no need for any human interaction
1: yeah. I mean, mm. it just sounds like unnecessarily taking jobs from people. Yeah, generally. I know. But so who you do could... you chat to if like, the the thing you want isn't it? Or you've accidentally picked up too many and you want to return something to the shelf and then you're like, do I just put the flower back on the oh, shelf? Oh, well, if
3: you if you return it to the shelf, it knows.
1: Oh,
2: really? Oh, it does. Yeah, and then it deducts so. it from your But Does, it that, your does bill. that mean that you can't just abandon something on the shelf? Any shelf? No, you have to put it back where it- See, I would never oh. do that. I reserve the right to just abandon a fucking can of bolognese in toothpaste aisle well, like, that's, that's yeah. my
3: right as a human being well that's, yeah. that's what all the checkout workers will be doing won't it but for now yes ch- uh, smart supermarkets are gonna make you go into supermarkets again which I don't want I hate supermarkets I used to be a checkout worker and quite frankly I, I wanted to die the whole time mm. it was very horrible I felt like a machine in a way oh. so we may as well just let machines do it god I've really done a 180 on that that's great <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hannah, you've soaked up all the moisture in the room and I also feel like you're always taking but never giving. <laughs> Plus, you're harnessing a lot of dirt. What gives?
1: Yes, yeah, so I've collected many, many shell bits with which to subtly hurt you. Uh,
2: that's actually a perfect description of our relationship. So <laughs> I'm glad you've been taking our notes from couples therapy very seriously.
1: I have. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, great. Where am I? I'm even single in this hypothetical world. <laughs> 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 um yeah sponges i'm doing sponges this week because it's amazing how little i know about sponges do you guys know about sponges well what i would
3: say is i don't know whether the sponge in my bathroom has come out of the sea or if that's an impression of one that's come out of the yes.
2: sea same question
3: good okay yeah and
1: it's sort of everyone, everyone <laughs> an impression just like
2: tribute acts i, I know so. what you mean yeah we
1: are the sponges. <laughs> Yeah, I went to the Natural History Museum the other day, great museum, uh, and saw some sponges in a case and was basically like, yes, they're animals, aren't they? They are animals. They are in a natural history museum because they are animals. And then you realised
3: it was just the sponges to clean the big whale.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, But there has been some debate actually over whether they're a vegetable or an animal. I was going to
3: say, can they really be an animal?
1: Exactly. Um, And there was in the 1700s there was like a whole big thing about like, well, are they an animal or not? Because there's so many things that animals do that they don't have, like um, eyes. They don't have eyes. Or hobbies. (laughs) Correct. Or Um, girlfriends. (laughs) Like, they don't have uh, brains. They don't have a digestive system. They don't have a circulatory system. So they don't have, like, blood or anything. Oh, I've dated Um, somebody like that. Yeah. (laughs) They are technically animals, but they um, grow and reproduce and survive as plants, kind of in the same ways. So, for example, if you um, go into the sea and find a sponge and lop off its arm, um, that arm can grow somewhere else.
3: (gasps) Yeah. Is that why I can't get into my bathroom anymore?
1: Yeah, it's just overrun <laughs> sponge with sponges. sponge taken over. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just really bizarre. Um, and then I kind of thought as well, because obviously sea sponges were kind of the first type of sponge because they occur naturally in the sea. Uh, lots around the Mediterranean. You ever been to Greece? No, actually. No,
3: but I'm going.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, I've been to Greece once or twice. Ooh, brag. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go to, like some of the islands they have a lot of they have these huge buckets of sponges that are all different shapes and sizes and they all look a bit wacky and that is natural sponge that's just been harvested from the sea
2: (gasps) So, when I go into Poundland and buy sort of like a value pack of sponges like 12 for a quid or whatever, is that is that just like an impression of a sponge?
1: Yes. No, that's oh. an impression of a sponge. Okay. That's an artist's representation of oh, <laughs> I see. What's that made of? of Synthetic like fibers. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess that's made of some kind of a uh, plastic or something. I probably should have looked into that. But it's the same kind of idea because sponges basically are kind of all all tube because the water kind of goes in and out and that's how they eat they eat like just random like bits and pieces that are in the sea and they kind of the water with all these bits like flows through them and then they sort of absorb the bits and pieces and eat it and so that's why they're so good at picking up water but then also getting the water out like you wouldn't think like them and coral like they're plants aren't
3: they do you know what i mean yeah i mean like no but yeah yeah Yeah. no they are and also it sounds weird to think that we wash ourselves with like a tiny animal that we've chopped out
2: of the sea yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that's so bizarre that's why I prefer a loofah personally oh, you can't hurt love anyone's loofah. feelings with loofah that's yeah. true yeah no <laughs>
1: and we've been doing this for absolutely ages apparently we've been getting sponges out of the sea and being like yeah i'm going to wash myself with this that's a good plan it's such a
2: weird instinct yeah people talk about like you know milking a cow and drinking it as a weird instinct but taking something out of the sea and rubbing it on your body to clean yourself is mad yeah, yeah because
1: yeah. like they are dirty and they have been in this living in the sea for ages so there are some people that say that you can use sponges as tampons and that's actually yes, like natural yeah. sponges um And there's obviously, you know, as with anything of this kind, there's a big argument online about like whether you can and whether you can't, whether it's actually safe or whether it's not safe. And sometimes there can be like grit in them. Bits of sand mm. and the seaweed and shells and bacteria and oh, things like that. Just use a tampon and die. <laughs> well, I don't know because we're all going to probably drown in a big like mountain of used tampons one day, Alex. That's the
2: sore truth. Yeah, we should all be wearing diva cups right now.
1: Yeah, but tam. But I just have the implant. No periods, lads. This is the answer. See, I have
2: the implant and I get a period every other day. So, wow, um, um, yeah, it's a hard knock life.
1: Yeah, you can't. You to can't the predict. Two sides of the mirror. <laughs>
3: I'm just going to go home and thank my womb later.
2: You've got a perfect womb and I hate it.
3: Oh, I
1: know, but life's a balance. I have terrible tits. SeaspongeCompany.com, which is obviously very pro-sea sponges and sea sponge use <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in every way.
2: Big sponge, yes. <laughs> pro-sea
1: sponge. Um, says that almost every synthetic sponge now sold in US supermarkets is impregnated with a disinfectant, which is a Blech. pesticide. Um, and we should be concerned about washing our dishes and countertops with this. And it may contribute to drug-resistant bacteria, just like antibiotics. Oh. oh, dear. What?
3: So, do you know what it just keeps reminding me of? You know, like in a Disney cartoon or something like this, like Shark's Tale. Yeah. Like you know, it's a whole different world, and like the sharks are like using tiny fish to rob themselves. That's how I now think about sponges.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's some dolphins that use sponges as well. Like dolphins are so clever, and they, they like pick them up and kind of rummage around the seabed using these
2: sponges to protect oh. their noses. Oh. Isn't
1: that cool? I wish I was a dolphin.
2: Well, my only question, all this for all this um, very well-researched segment, is: Are sponges vegan or vegetarian?
1: Oh, great question. Oh, depending on what d- side of the I don't debate. think so because they are technically animals now. So y- yeah, but then you don't kill them when you harvest them as well. They the root can live. grow back.
2: They just become your slave, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And also, so I wondered they- when does when does the sponge die? If the sponge, the arm of the sponge, say, can be chopped mm-hmm. off, and that arm will grow somewhere else, and that other sponge will continue to grow. Like, at what point is that sponge dead? Is it sitting yeah. in your shower like, oh, I wish I could have somewhere to grow. I'd really like that. They have to be dead in the shower, surely, because otherwise they would just keep getting bigger and then you'd yeah. be thinking about it. But at night. they might not have anything to eat, so then could they survive? you your
2: body, surely. <gasps> oh. They're eating
1: your dry flaky yeah, and skin. Your skin bits.
2: Oh. Oh ming. That's Nasty. disgusting. I'm disturbed myself now.
3: The things that sponge has seen. <laughs> or not seen, because they
1: don't have eyes. Maybe that's why they don't have eyes. The yeah. sponge
2: has eyes. <laughs>
1: Some sponge facts: Sponges have basically been the same for 600 million years, <gasps> so they're one of the oldest creatures, sea creatures. Anyway,
3: get with the program.
1: Are there male and yeah. female sponges? I I don't know actually. They do reproduce. Some of them um, bud, which is basically where um, you know a bit breaks off yeah. um, or is sent. Centre abroad and kind of <laughs> grows somewhere else. Uh, but there are sea sponges that reproduce by releasing sperm which is then caught by nearby sponges and fertilised and they have an egg that it fertilises. Oh, but then I enough. don't know if it's the kind of thing where each sponge can release sperm and also has an egg. Or oh, there's some, um, you know, sponges with sperm and some sponges with eggs. That sounds like one sponge is just going about its day and then she's like, oh shit, I've caught some sperm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Uh, just like in the shower. Can you imagine some kind of hybrid? Like, No,
2: no. <laughs> half sperm. sponge, half
3: man. Oh, it's like the fly.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh God,
1: don't talk about the fly. Never <laughs> ready to talk about the
3: fly. Jeff Goldblum could so be half man, half sponge.
2: Kind of, Yeah. Best? I know
3: it'd be Jonah Hill,
2: wouldn't it? Oh yeah, half-assed half one, <laughs> Jonah Hill. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the
2: price of just about
0: everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
3: And you have a habit of being into old Italians. Are you here to tell us about your ongoing crush on notorious shark and ladies' man Berlusconi
2: this week? (laughs) Eh, no, Alexandria. Why you do this? Why you shame me like this? I
3: don't know, but I have to half close my eyes when I do this accent. I know it
2: is impossible not to. Also, my hands are out, and now, and now I'm Eastern European. (laughs) Um, and this is why we never do accents. I know. Do you know what the weird thing about accents is? They're my favourite type of comedy, but they're also the least acceptable. Yeah. I just love hearing a funny voice. Same. But But like it's become so problematic. Anyway. Um,
3: I think it's alright with Berlusconi. He's bona fide bad person. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I am talking today... It's a bit of a cheat. I'm going to just be honest with both of you. It's a bit of a cheat because... Um, I got an email from an editor that I work with at the Irish Times uh, the the week and she said would you like to go interview Isabella Rossellini tomorrow? I know it's short notice would you please do that? And I said oh my god yes of course absolutely with the kind of you know when you answer something with an air of confidence like, I know exactly yeah.
3: what you
1: mean
2: what I you're feel like, like
3: I should be in awe of her and know, yet exactly. I, I don't nothing. really know
1: what she did she has one of those names where you're like I recognise that name and it's fancy so
2: yeah. yes yeah. she is
1: a notable human being and yeah, she's notable. in friends it's also
2: yeah it's yeah, completely it's like one of those things as well where um, when you're a certain kind of person who uses a certain kind of references or whatever people just like will associate like oh that's a thing you'll like and they just kind of like, glue it to the big driftwood of your personality. Be yeah. like, oh, this is the mood board that's kind of you. And you're like, I'm so flattered that you associate that person with me. I know nothing about that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so um, I basically had 24 hours, and I had like several other deadlines. And as, as we mentioned earlier, I was finishing my second book, and I had to just like absorb like a sponge as much information about Isabella Rossellini as I possibly could.
3: In your high heels, just to tie In up. In my high
2: heels, just to tie it <laughs> up. Um, and well, I and like it actually turned out to be way easy because she is like really fascinating, and I met her, and she was class. Like wow. So yeah, I'll just. Uh, just take you on a little journey of Isabella Rossellini for all those people out there who are like yes I feel like I should but I don't yeah. Please, yeah what's the
3: crib notes on Isabella Rossellini here's the
2: crib notes Um well I went into it knowing her essentially for two 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 and a half things which is um that episode of Friends yeah. where Ross makes a list of the people he's allowed to sleep with and cheat on Rachel with yeah and uh, he almost gets Isabella Rosslini but then takes her off because she seems too European Yeah, and then he bumps into her hilarity ensues oh. um, so I remember that one that kind of sort of like couches her thing as like oh like she's like an exotic beauty that's like the yeah. first my first thing and then around the same time she was in the film which is one of my favourite movies Death Becomes Her um, which is it. Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. It's kind of like a supernatural comedy where they're like, basically they ha- they buy the elixir of youth and the person who has the elixir of youth is Isabella Rossellini. Uh, so yeah, just to take it all back, Isabella Rossellini is 65 now. So she was born in around 1950, something. Two. Uh, oh, Matt's in your head. No, three. Still, you tried. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, her parents were Ingrid Bergman, who was the lady who was in Casablanca. And um, Roberto Rossellini, who was this Italian director. And um, I feel like I'm really throwing the segment out to you, Alec, because you're turning 30 tomorrow. I am. Ooh. And uh, I feel like there's so many things, especially with very famous, very beautiful women, um, that they, oh, they, when they were 14 years old, they were spotted by, you know, a lion. <laughs> and, yeah. and the lion <laughs> took them in their mouth to a modelling agency <laughs> and said, I have chosen this one. She is the golden yeah. child. And then everything was blessed. It's about Arslini she um well first of all for most of her teens she seminated in a body cast because she had like um, scoliosis wow Whoa. yeah so literally that her whole teens were just indoors um
3: oh I'm already one up because I was getting fingered
2: yeah <laughs> exactly you're already winning um and she didn't get in front of a camera really for the first time until she was 28. Wow. wow, even though her parents were those people. Yeah, exactly. She was she like went to New York when she was like in her early 20s. She worked as a journalist for a bit. She kind of like bummed around with sort of like vaguely important people. And yeah, she kind of appeared on TV a little bit, but it was never like a big deal. Yeah. And she kind of had a lot of famous friends, and it was sort of like she almost like accepted that like, "Oh, I guess I'm just Yeah. famous people's friends." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then um, she was friends with a three really famous photographer. His name is me right now. But he was like, oh, come to my studio. I'd love to get a lovely photograph of you. And she was like, sure. And, and she says in an interview, she was like, oh, I just thought that one day I'll have kids and I'll be able to show them a picture of me looking beautiful. And then within like a week, that photograph was everywhere. And then within, like, a month, she was one of the highest paid models in the world. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. And, uh, yeah, and then she was 33 before she had her first major film role, which is, like, in in terms of... Okay, it's not late bloomer, like, writing a novel at 60, but, like, in terms of a woman whose job it is to be attractive for a living... Yeah. It's, like, it's a late bloomer, which already makes me on her side. And then along the way, she she gets married to Martin Scorsese. Just what? like on oh. the cash. But he's like a little thunderbird.
3: He's massively punching with Isabella Rossellini.
2: Yeah, he's a little thunderbird. He does look like a thunderbird. Yeah. That's so spot on. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, they're married for a while. Like her, her career gets really good um big when she meets David Lynch. Again, to go back to the sort of like big mood board that people make about your personality without consulting you first. I feel like people sometimes come into conversations with me about David Lynch, and I'm like. Yeah.
3: <laughs> for me, David Lynch is that ultimate person where I'm like, oh, when you were a teenage boy, you thought it was really cool to be weird, which is fine. But David Lynch's films are shit. Oh <laughs> sorry my! sorry I'm like, saying like, There it, are so it? many
2: people who would like string you up for that, but I also like agree. So, um, so um, you know, Blue Velvet was his first big movie. Yeah. And then he um, starts this relationship with Isabella Rossellini. She has a really um, controversial role in that film. And you see someone take like punch the shit out of her. Is that in Blue Velvet? That's basically Blue Velvet, yeah. And it was like it was really, really controversial for kind of obvious reasons, yeah. really. And and like it was David Lynch's first thing. Um, for the big thing, and people were like, "Oh, this is a really disturbing movie, but it's obviously really well made." Who is this woman? Kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and for somebody like who never acted before, she was like, "Yeah, she is somebody who needs to feel dazed because she hates her life so much." And she was so defensive. She was like, "She needs to see stars because she has to separate herself from her life. That's why she lets herself be hit because that was the big thing. Right. She sort of like asked to be hit okay, by her lover." Yeah so it's like oh model with brains kind of thing but this sort of fast forwards me up to now because essentially she kind of dropped out of stuff for a while Yeah, did a degree in like animal psychology sure cool and now spends like almost all of her time on her organic farm or dressed up as like a lobster and doing like YouTube videos about like I am a lobster (laughs) I am a crustacean this is what the crustacean is See if no David way. Lynch made that, he'd win an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, but she's just making YouTube videos in her house of just like, oh, I am a crustacean. So
3: she she just like didn't have any kids with a, either of these guys.
2: Oh, she's got kids. I can't remember with her. Oh right, yeah.
3: fine. But like they just there was no big affair or anything. She just like had these two massive relationships with
2: these oh, famous guys. Oh my god, that's such a good story about like um. So she basically I think leaves um, Scorsese right. for Lynch, then Martin Scorsese gets really like angry that his life wept him yeah. and then she stays with Lynch for a few years and uh, he eventually leaves her and then she gets a call from Martin Scorsese being like oh did he leave you and she was like how, how could you possibly know that and he said because the fir- you've been together for six years and the first picture of him with his arm around you came out last week wow and he was like I knew that he was doing that to prove a point to himself and it's like wow that's what? creepy what a creepy story As <laughs> like-
1: in, as in like to try and look like a good guy you mean. Like, no? As in, as in, they'd presumably never been photographed together looking
2: affectionate. Yeah, and, until they, and they finally their were. Their relationship was breaking apart. Yeah, which tells you so much about relationships in general, oh. doesn't it?
3: And also, poor old Scorsese was clearly like crying for six <laughs> yeah, years,
2: <I> <laughs> looking at the press, being like, "Come on." <laughs> yeah. um, that, that particular anecdote is taken from the "You Must Remember This" podcast, who do a really good episode on her, um, which I used for my research when I was interviewing her. But to bring you up to this interview that was last week, right? Yes. yes. So Isabella Rossellini was the face of Lancôme for 11 years and then got fired when she was 41. Right. Because they were like, "Eh, she's 40. Fuck it. Right. She then launched her own makeup brand as like a hit back against them she oh, like, cool. she would like go into interviews and be like they sent me flowers on my 40th birthday and then I knew they were going to bury me like she was so goth and punk about it she's the
1: so same cool. thing like yeah. your
2: relationship with the brand
1: is falling apart when they start to be nice to you in public like oh my god it is the same thing
2: maybe Scorsese
1: orchestrated the whole thing yeah. <laughs>
2: I can't have you no one else will <laughs> um, uh, yeah and she was like it, this is like this is the 90s now we're up to and uh, she so she launched her own line called Manifesto by Isabella Rossellini um, where she was like yeah, this is like this is a feminist brand this is women of all wow. ages it was like pre-Dove Real Beauty it was, was it like, like
3: the Fenty of its day what's Fenty That's Rihanna's. Rihanna's one Rihanna's makeup line, oh, and it's been like hailed as really feminist in the fact that it covers all skin tones. Oh and, yeah, I th- basically yeah. I
2: think so. Like she did loads of things like for the first time that uh, gets done all the time now, which is like mirrored lipstick when you can oh. when you're on a go and stuff. Um, and it seemed really good, but it ultimately you know she, it failed and after a few years. But I think it had a pretty good run. And now she's back working with Lancome again. <gasps> she Maybe Scorsese's she back on the them. scene. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling the strings. <laughs> And so I, I it was so weird, lads. I met her for this press thing, and like I don't, I imagine the majority of our listeners haven't been to a press junket, but they probably have seen Notting Hill. Yeah, and it is exactly like that. It has changed in no way, wow. in the sense of like being ushered into a small room for an incredibly controlled amount of time with a person who's been answering questions all day, oh. and so is like their their like energy is being tested so yeah. much. Mm. But I met her, and uh, she was like. Basically, like an art teacher, just like I have lots of flowing robes and I have a bigger earrings, and like like she was clearly—I mean, I'd say this with the utmost respect. Doing this for the money so she could go back to her organic farm. Fine. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. uh, Those
1: carrots won't plant themselves. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) cash to pay pay the people. Those
2: crustacean videos will make themselves. Yeah, Yeah. it's like
1: if an ex that had fucked you over bought you a huge diamond ring, you'd be like, I'll take the ring.
2: And she was doing, like, she was doing, like, obviously Lancome representatives were in the room. And she was like, Oh, the thing I love about Lancome is we do not say anti age, we say glow. It is a glow. I am glowing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm a lobster. And uh, then like in the middle of the interview and I won't play the clip because I don't want Lancome to come after me but she was like um, you know when I started working with Lancome they said hey, be beautiful and shut up <gasps> the Lancome person is sitting right there Whoa. and uh, she was like yeah nobody wanted to hear from the model I could not wear my wedding ring I had to be anonymous but then everybody wanted to know who is this woman <laughs> Oh my god, I love that! Yeah, it was so great, and like obviously, then she went on to be like an Lancome, like, but but you know, oh the times have changed, and yeah, Lanko, yeah, yeah. Yada, yada, yada And she was like, oh, Lancome weren't the innovators, I suppose, but they had to, you know, stage with the times eventually. I love it. <laughs> wow. It was class, and I was just like, yeah, man. You're like, stop talking
3: about the brand and give me the bitchy
2: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was so one of those things where, like, she there was every excuse for her to be an asshole. And, and I wouldn't have held it against her And I ne- yeah. like, when I meet people in that kind con- that thing I never hold it against them but like she was just like ah this is stupid yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go back to my farm after this you yeah. wanna come <laughs>
1: yeah. oh my god Isabella please I wanna go to her farm yeah, yeah. And dress up as a crustacean yeah. with her I shall be a shrimp <laughs> well now
3: that she's back with Lancôme I bet Scorsese will be patched near that farm anytime oh, soon oh in a
2: day
1: in a lobster outfit yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, we're about 30 minutes into the podcast, so chances are you're nearing the end of your commute. I hope no one had sweaty armpits that you had to sit under.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and that means it's time for our smart lesson. Each week in the smart lesson, we try to prepare ourselves for the day when we will be smart women by learning about how to operate in the world of the female elite. Think of it as the Wonder Woman training camp, but without the horses.
2: I have a pointy spear.
1: My breastplate is too big. Oh. In today's Smart Lesson, we're going to learn about how to be a relatable, real woman. As I'm an amorphous concept of a human being
3: inhabiting a mortal body, this is actually going to be very useful for me.
2: Yes, I think I
3: studied this already on my home
2: planet, Tetron 9 Earth. My home planet is Earth. I'm a human woman from Earth. (laughs) So we all know that to be truly loved by other women, you can't just be a
1: smart woman, you have to be a real woman too. But what does that actually mean? The main thing is that a real woman needs to be relatable to everyone and encapsulate the difficulties of inhabiting a human
2: woman's body while living on this planet Earth. Okay, so once we're smart women and our startup is in the FTSE 100, how can we make ourselves relatable? Firstly, Caroline, acknowledge the vagaries of the human body. Okay, so I could say in like a TV interview, sometimes I try to poo but it's not quite ready yet so I just suck it back in but then it feels cold. No, Caroline, that's too much.
3: Okay, okay, I've got it. What about sometimes I pick my nose and what comes out looks bigger than my nostril and I'm not sure how?
1: No. it's also far too much. Oh. But something more like, I have my period today
2: would work. Oh, but you just I mean anyone can have their period and like I I but I wanna talk about my period. Like like it's sometimes it's more purple, sometimes it's basically black. Hmm.
3: Sometimes mine's just a brown dust. <laughs>
2: Just a cough of brown duster.
1: (laughs) 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 So then, once you've acknowledged the human body, next thing is you want to have real, relatable feelings.
3: Oh, okay. So what about, I deeply regret a specific life choice I made seven years ago and it still fills me with dread.
2: No, no. You don't want to depress people. You don't want to bring the room down. You have to be like, sometimes I just wake up and it's hard to get out of bed because of stress. Yes. okay. Just like vague stress, vague anxiety. So like keep it
3: vague... Keep it sort of sympathetic. Yeah, but keep it real, Alex. Keep it real. Emotive.
1: Keep it emotive. Yes.
3: But not
2: too much. Not too much. Right. Don't make people uncomfortable.
1: Is
3: it kind of like, I'm struggling just like you, but I've also got the perfect life? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So now on to day-to-day life. Uh, if you have spawned, something to do with having kids is recommended, obviously. Okay. Otherwise, a good fallback is to discuss how busy you are.
3: Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, I've seen this a lot. Okay, so um, from human women, I mean, from women. Um, what about, um, oh, God, I was so late for an important meeting this week that I pushed an old man out of the way to get on the tube. Is that true? Did you do that? <laughs> no. <laughs> of course not. No, absolutely not.
2: Um, or how about, um, oh, I got in so late last night that I just had cereal for dinner, but then the cereal was with milk that had gone five days off and I don't really know what milk smells like. So I was like, is this good? And then it was kind of like more like yogurt. And now I have the runs. Oh, yeah. no. Well, at least you don't have the poo issue that you had before. I know, it's <laughs> going to come out like water.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's again, you know, guys, you do. You, you're doing too much. Uh, it should be more like, oh, I was so busy and tired that I fell asleep before bedtime, I think. In my clothes, if you really want to.
3: Oh, okay. Y- I've seen know. a lot of people discussing
1: wine as a crutch as well. Yeah, that works. Wine o'clock.
3: Yeah, wine mm. o'clock. You know, cushions with Prosecco written on them, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yes. You know.
1: and that takes us back to our smart lesson on being basic, in fact. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think
2: if there's like an opposite... Of what we're trying to do with this podcast, it's cushions with prosecco on yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Like if there is like a, a diametric opposite, like through the mirror. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the hand I'm pressing my hand up against. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. In another world, yeah.
1: <laughs> I can just
3: hear the listeners now sort of sending back their birthday cushions that they've bought me with prosecco on them, thinking, "Oh no. no, it's literally the anti-present for her." Uh, so. Um,
2: yeah, the thing about being relatable, I think it's a lot like our basic conversation in that, like, it's the thing that you use to relate to women you don't know very well. Yeah. You're like, have my small admission of weakness. It might be made up. but yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. It's like even I do it when people say to me, how are you? And I don't do it so much anymore, only because I've consciously tried not to. Yeah. um, And people just go, oh, you know, tired.
2: Yeah. It's so like... Even if you're not. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate when people answer that way. Yeah, same. I didn't In a way, do it I anymore. just realized that I hate because yeah. like it completely um, it completely just sort of throws the whole conversational responsibility back to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone mm. says, "How are you doing today?" You hit them with an anecdote immediately, even if it's a bad one. Like yeah. you go, like, "Oh, on the way here, I saw a bloody bison." Bison. <laughs> Eating yeah. its own so young. Yeah. Or I was just thinking, how does Chipotle make its money? <laughs> yeah, the answer is charging extra for guacamole. Do you know what oh I mean? Oh my God, there's a whole other podcast in that. Don't Absolutely. come in. Don't come in with a conversation being like tired. It's like
1: because yeah. then you have to be like, oh, me too. Like I know I can relate to and, you. And being then we're tired because we're both human women. But I just wish that yeah, that we did kind of move the conversation on a bit and be like. Yeah, you know, like my jeans are too tight and they've actually
2: been digging into me all day and that's kind <laughs> yeah.
1: of I'm going to have an itchy back now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, just like get really get really granular with it. Like, yeah. oh, well, t- this morning was going really really well, but then, you know, I, I had that thing that happened where like the single bead of sweat went down my on oh, the inside of my torso. Yeah. yeah. And now my day's ruined. Yeah,
1: (laughs) absolutely.
3: That
2: is how I'm going to answer. What's the single bead about?
1: I want to hear what that is.
3: I I don't know, but it happens to you. You you don't even feel it forming, and then all of a sudden it's there. Yeah, and you're like, what's that? Oh, yeah, fine. Bead of own sweat.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, that's it for episode 37. We hope you've learned something, but you probably haven't. And that's fine. Did you know you can now listen to the Dumb Women archives every Friday at 10am on Soho Radio, like in the olden days. Go to SohoRadioLondon.com on Fridays at 10am. And Soho Radio, of course, is just upstairs from Soho Radio Studios, our recording space. Thanks, guys. It's almost like we know them. Thank you to Harry Harris, of course, for our jingle, and Gavin Day for our logo. We'll all see you next week.
2: Goodbye! Bye! Bye.
3: worst feeling in the world is you try and do a poo but it can't come back out so it goes back in like a tortoise putting his head back in and then you feel like a toxic waste crashed
2: on the oh it. it is the worst <laughs> feeling <laughs> in the world it's so
1: bad <laughs> like I'm just Man. carrying this around with me like yeah because yeah. you know it went out so this, it's, it, it's separated from your body and, oh. it, <laughs> and, and, I,
2: and I always feel like it's infecting my ass yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> even on a budget